one doctor, orthopedic doctor said without surgery, and I quote, you will never, you won't even walk around Disney with your kids, which I love to quote that because obviously I'm doing a lot more than that now. Disney's Radio episode 1022 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you in part by the folks over at Features who make the socks that I wear these days. Not that you need to wear the same socks that I wear, but if you're looking to step up your sock game and you're not already using Features, it might be worth uh, dipping your toe in. See what I did there? Socks, toes? <laughs> yes. Yes. The dad jokes. We got them. We got them. Anyway, uh, if you haven't checked out Features yet, you can do so. Get yourself a pair or few and support the show at the same time by using the affiliate link, disruns.com slash features. That's F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S. Of course, there's a link in the show notes. There's a link in the uh, the information that in, is included with this episode as well. Um, but get yourself a pair. It doesn't cost you any more, but it also throws a little commission my way. So, you know, it's, it's a few cents. Keeps the lights burning for another 10 or 15 minutes, which, hey, you know, 10 or 15 minutes adds up over time. So uh, check them out. Get yourself a pair. Get yourself a few pair. Gift some to your friends. Gift some to your enemies. I don't care. Just get some good socks for yourself or for others. And if you're willing to support the show, I will appreciate it. Dizruns.com slash features. Again, F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S. And now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, today's guest is a lady that uh, kind of eats, sleeps, and breathes running just about as much as probably any of us. She's a runner herself, obviously, uh, but she's also a running coach and a race director, and she's been doing both of those, wearing both of those hats for a number of years. So uh, she's certainly got running on the brain pretty much all day, every day. Again, probably like a fair few of us. Anyway, needless to say, we will have plenty of things to talk about during today's chat, and so it's a, a pleasure to be able to welcome Ms. Dawn Lizenby to the show. Uh, Dawn, thanks for joining us, and, uh, and welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, looking looking forward to it. And uh, y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation and want to kind of find out more about Dawn, maybe some of her races or checking on some of her coaching stuff or, or whatever else, you you know, we've got all the places listed here. Uh, EastCoastTrailRacing.com is the website, and that kind of houses everything there. Um, and on social media, you can find her on Instagram at RunNaturalCoach. And on Facebook, just search for her name, Dawn Lisenby. That's L-I-S-E-N-B-Y. Dawn is pretty self-explanatory, but we'll spell that one too. D-A-W-N is first name, and then L-I-S-E-N-B-Y. Or just uh, on Facebook, you can search for the company name East Coast Trail Racing. Um, all all roads connect back to Dawn in those places. Um, and as per usual, and, and you know if you've been around for a while, that we'll have everything linked up in the show notes to make it real easy to find her. Uh, if you're out on the go, can't write something down, or you can't quite remember, can't quite remember, just go back to the show notes and everything will be linked up as per usual. Dizruns.com slash 1022. Dizruns.com slash 1022 for the show notes for today. So, Don, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with um, 
what I think is a pretty, well, what I know is a pretty simple question as far as tr- is asking it. Um, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to answer because there's a lot of options out there, and especially for those that have been running for a while or that run some longer distances, the ultra runners. Um, I, I feel like it, it, it gets to be a little bit more difficult for, for some of y'all. But uh, one way or the other, it's it usually is a good place to start the conversation. That's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Okay, well, uh, if you ask me, at the beginning of when I started running, I would definitely not be this answer um, because I had no clue what it entailed and it scared me. But I think that's probably part of why it is my favorite distance now, and that would be the 100-mile distance. Um, I haven't completed too many. Um, the one I'm about to do in a week uh, will be my ninth mm-hmm. uh, go at the distance. And what I love about it is the adventure that it entails. With other distances, you know pretty assuredly that you're going to get to A, um, from A to B. Uh, with the 100-mile distance, there are no guarantees. Uh, you could be in the best shape of your life. And if it's not your day, um, meaning, you know, weather lines up, body rhythms, uh, your fueling goes well, your crew comes together, there's so many things that it entails. Um you know, getting to the finish um, might not happen. So I love the problem solving it involves. I love running through the night. All those things really um, have uh, made me come to love the 100 mile and have um, it's really captured my heart. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, looking looking forward to diving into that a little bit more because uh, from my from my experience on the outside looking in, you know that well, I guess I guess my experience on the inside, but not in the inside of a hundred miler. But the longer the race, like kind of like you said, the, the more logistics come into play, and the more the more possibility things can go wrong. And uh, the longest I've done is is about forty five miles, and and um, you know plenty of moving parts and and spinning and keeping things up in the air. In that point, I can only imagine going more than twice as far. Uh, how many how many more things you have to consider and, and opportunities for things to go sideways. So looking forward to, to diving into that a little bit more, but before we do, um, how'd you get started in the sport? You know, like you said, when you, when you first started, you would have never even thought a hundred miles because you didn't even really know that those existed. And I'm right there with you. I didn't realize hundred miles were a, were a thing, uh, you know, a, a decade or, or more ago when I kind of got started in the sport, but how'd you find your way to, to running in the first place? Uh, well, just to stay in shape. So um, my background is dancing. I was a ballet dancer. And then um, coming out of that, I started playing soccer. And um, I loved soccer, the game, everything about it. I did not love running at all. So funny, I had to have the ball at my feet to really enjoy running. Um, and then as I transitioned into wanting to have kids and be a mom and I moved, there was no soccer available for me. Um, and this was back in 2002. So my brother, um, who's one of my great inspirations, he ran. So I thought, well, if he loves running, maybe I'll try it. And I mean, I literally, I always tell this story because it's true. I started with one minute walk, one minute run. And, you know, quickly, um, due to falling in with a local running group in the area to motivate me, and they were, they're still some of my close friends, um, quickly just started loving it. And um, I ran all through my pregnancies, and um, I think within, I'd say, six years of running, of starting to run, yeah, I ran my first marathon, actually five years in 2007, 
And that's just when the long distance already just really started pulling me in that direction. And then very quickly, I wanted to run an ultra, um, but I had a bad injury. And um, that was from doing everything not the smart way. And that's what led me into coaching and um, getting certified as a trainer and then a running coach to figure out the hows and whys and to help runners not do the things that I did that led to injury that, you know, I still have to um, work with to this day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, going back to those, those early days, like you said, kind of falling in with, with some of the other runners. Um, I'm curious, and, and I don't know if, if, if you've ever thought of this, and I'm sure you probably have, um, but do you think that the, you know, kind of, at least what I heard that you kind of pretty much fell in, you know, into enjoying running relatively quickly, but do you think it was the running or do you think it was the, the social dynamic or was it the combination of the two, maybe in those, those early days that kind of helped you stick with it? Oh, I definitely think it was the combination of the two. Um, you know, I, I have always loved to move. I mean, I, I can remember, you know, remember the, uh, well, you're probably young. I don't know if you would remember, but they physical fitness tests at mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time doing that in fourth grade and the feeling that running gave me and being good at it and just loving that feeling. And then I did do track in middle school, but then I kind of fell away from that, moved more in the dance direction. So I've always loved moving and, and, and working hard at it. When I say I was a dancer, I went to performing arts school, you know, so I have always like, um, saw that my life would be in some kind of, um, you know, doing something physical, which is funny because for a while I ended up being a teacher, but that's another life. Um, and now I've gone back into doing the physical thing and teaching others. So it's interesting how roads come together. Um, but then also that group, I mean, they were an amazing group of mostly women and I was in a new area, you know, and, and a mom. So that's isolating. And they were a very inspiring group. And actually one of the runners, her name was Dawn too. Um, she was already dabbling into ultras and she ran um, the Goofy, which you know what that is. It's you know, you run a 5K one day, 10K, half marathon, marathon. And I just thought that was, wow, mind blowing, you know, because at that point in time, I was pretty much just running 5Ks, 10Ks. I love those distances. I still love those distances. I still love my favorite short distance is 10K. I love a good 10K. And um, I put on a couple good ones. So uh, that I used to try to jump into, but that got too hectic with race track. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would imagine that, uh, being being the the face of the race or at least the one in charge calling the shots and then trying to jump in and run it is is probably a a, a bit much um so so and again we'll, I'm looking forward to getting into some of the race directing stuff because I know uh a lot of us that don't dabble in race directing have no idea how much goes on behind the scenes and I, I you know would would love to kind of unpack some of that and um maybe maybe you know, encourage some folks to, to be a little kinder to the race director when things go wrong on race day. Cause you know, <laughs> it happens once in a while and, and I can pretty much guarantee that it's never on purpose. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll get to that eventually. So you start, you start climbing the ladder and, and you've got your friend that also is, is doing some of the longer distance things kind of opens your eyes to it. Um, you, you mentioned the injury situation in there and, and, uh, I'm, I can never resist a good injury story. My, my background for your benefit, Dawn, is, is I'm a certified athletic trainer. Uh, so I've, I've always kind of been around the, the sports injury type of thing. That, that's been my, my 
or that was my career, I guess, before I started doing this type of thing. Um, so if you don't mind, and, and we can go into it as, as much or as little as you want, but, um, you know, as you started climbing the ladder, running some longer races, what was the, uh, the injury situation that cropped up that you're still sort of dealing with and working around and, and managing still to this point? Yeah. So with your background, you'll, you'll get why I still work with it. Um, so in early 2010, I was diagnosed with a labral tear, yeah. uh, and it was in the front. So of my, the front part of my, my hip, cause you can't have them as you're probably aware, um, in the back, but, um, and it was a pretty decent size one to the point where, you know, one doctor, orthopedic doctor said without surgery, and I quote, you will never, you won't even walk around Disney with your kids, which I love to quote that because obviously I'm doing a lot more than that now. And I did not have surgery. I opted out of that, but I did leave his office crying. And, and then, um, I luckily went to get a second opinion and that doctor actually worked with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He came highly, um, accredited and, uh, he said, look, you're a personal trainer because I had already started doing that part time while I was raising my kids. And he said, you know, you know how to keep your body strong. So let's go down that road first and you will have to continue to do this because I, I went I told him I, I want to run ultras. You know, I haven't run an ultra yet. And that's my goal. And he said, well, if I do the surgery with the amount of scar tissue that builds up from this, because they, as you might be aware, dislocate your hip to go in there to repair that, he said, the likelihood you won't run long distances. You'll have a lot of trouble doing that. So let's go down this road. We can always do surgery. And so that's what I did. And that's, again, what led me to getting my certifications um, with uh, Newton running at the time and then Lydiard. And um, for a long time, I just worked as a form coach. And that's what I did. I'd go and work with fitness stores on the West Coast and lots of um, stores here over on the East Coast as well. And worked with runners who mostly came to me with injuries and, you know, that stemmed from not just form, but, you know, eventually we would get into mobility and lack of mobility, lack of strength. And I was like a testament to what those two things could do for you if you paid attention to them. Because a lot of runners, I'm sure you're aware of this too, they just want to run. They don't want to do the other things. And, you know, as a coach, that's something that I very much promote because most of the runners I coach are ultra runners and they want to run these long distances. And especially when you get 50, 100 miles, I mean, you can kind of skimp on strength maybe but not to really perform optimally for marathon 50K distance. But if you're trying to run 50 miles and above and you do not do strength and mobility, you will be injured. It's just a guarantee and you won't stay in the game. I'm proud that that year after having that injury, I, I had a great doctor. I still work with her. She's um, located out of the West Coast. By doctor, I mean someone who rehabbed me back and um, – she, you know, was very encouraging to me. She's like, you know, because there was very little experience with labral tears in 2010 in Northeast Florida. She was the only one that had any experience with how to rehab back. And the only one besides the doctor that I went to saying, you can come back from this. And I started rehabbing in January 2010. It was a long process. I was in the pool. I mean, I wasn't running for months. And finally... October of that year, I ran my 50K, and I was so happy and very hooked on ultra. And um, 
yeah. And so, you know, now, like I said earlier on, I've completed nine hundreds, but I am religious about strength work. I have to do it or I have all kinds of compensation injuries um, because, you know, a labral tear never completely heals. It's something that you have to really keep all the muscles around um, it very and then because of compensation, that other side has to be really strong as well because it'll take the load of the lack that the other side has. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And and um, I, I oh man, there's so many things that I that I want to get into and and uh, already already have a feeling I'm going to run out of time before before I, I scratch <laughs> all the itches I have today on on some things that we can talk about. Um, but that that first 50k. You know, the, the first time stretching out to the ultra distance um, re- after rehabbing your hip and, and being told that, you know, you might not ever really be able to run again or at least certainly like the longer distance type of things. Um, how how nervous were you going into that race? Were you confident that the work you had done was was paying off and you were going to be good and be able to do it? And no problems. Was, was there I have to imagine there had to be at least a little bit of, of uncertainty. But what was what was kind of the mindset based on the, the hip injury going into that first time stretching beyond marathon distance? Oh, I was scared. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny. It's, it's not, it's kind of a joke, but not really. Um, I tend to, um, fall when I trail race, which doesn't help with the hip. So, um, you know, cause I'm always like, just, I, I really, I love running so much and I love running trail. And sometimes I get into the moment so much that up in my head that I'm not watching, you know, as much as I should be gotten better over that over the years but that that race I did I took a really hard fall and of course you know I was already kind of fearful like could I go this distance you know my training had gone well and I'd rehab back but I didn't want to re-injure my hip and so the last um six miles of that race I think it was much more up in my head after I took this hard fall I had my girlfriend who was there with me at the time I she was waiting for me to finish and I was doing well I mean I think I finished third in my age group and it was like my first race at that distance and um I said please run out to me I don't know if I can make it you know and I'm not that kind of runner but um she did and she ran in with me and I was fine um post that but yeah, it was, I, I still, I get, I get fearful every time I go into a hundred miler, you know, is, am I going to, you know, hold out? Is the body going to hold out? I, I think it just all stems back to that and, and having that awareness that there is a weakness in me. So I have to be stronger in all these other areas. And especially, you know, the mind is huge in hundred mile races. It can undo you. And <laughs> If it, if it starts, you, you let it start talking to you negatively too much. Yeah. It's, uh, then it, it all unravels pretty quickly and, and shoot. I mean, that happens, that happens to me sometimes in the marathon, let alone in a hundred miles. I, 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 like I said, I can't even, um, I can, I guess I can sort of imagine, but I can't even really imagine what that, what that is like and that, that grind and, and what the mind can do over that, that period. So, um, Speaking of hundred miles, the, the, what was, what, you know, how long ago was the first hundred miler and, 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 you know, maybe the Cliff's Notes version, how did, how did, how did things go that the first time that you uh, went out there and, and tackled that, that animal? <laughs> well, um, my first, I jumped into the deep end uh, with my first hundred miler. I went for the keys 100. Mm-hmm. And although that ra- that race is flat um, and many people think, Oh, that makes it easy. Uh, it's in May and it's in the end. <laughs> ease, so the heat and humidity are extraordinary. And that year was a hot year. 
And um, I had hired a coach to help me at that time because even though I was coaching, I always believe every coach needs a coach uh, or every runner needs a coach, but um, I hadn't run a hundred miles. So I wanted an expert and I did get an expert. Um, He's very experienced um, runner himself and has run hard rock multiple times. So I had a lot of confidence going into that race because I felt that I was very well prepared and I did excellent. Um, My undoing was nutrition. And, um, you know, I, at that time I wasn't working with some of uh, the the companies I work with now, one of my sponsors is Scratch Labs. And so I really wasn't aware of how to fuel properly for 100 miles. And um, by mile 70, I got pretty unbalanced electrolyte-wise, and that makes you pretty sick. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I had the – that's where the mind came in, and that's where I learned the powerful lesson. I had a rookie crew, so they didn't really know how to help me either. None of them had run over, I think, 50K. <laughs> and – so they were kind of like, it's time to pull the plug. And, um, but I did have my best girlfriend with me. And, um, so I said, let's just take a break. Let's reset here. It was like three in the morning or something. I said, 15 minute nap. Um, and we were at mile 80 at that point. I had trudged from 70 to 80, pretty much being sick the whole time. And, um, we, we, the alarm went off. And I looked over her and I said, go get the vest out and get me a coconut water. I said, I'm going to go one mile. And if that goes long, I'm going to go another mile. And, um, but the powerful lesson and the, and the, and my other two were like, what? She's going to go out. (laughs) Yes. Made her mind up to go out. So it was good because they were, they were, they were doing it out of concern for me, but Mm. you know, I knew you know, I was going to be okay. And, and, you know, if, if I wasn't, then I'd have to stop a couple, you know, miles out. But what was really powerful about that race is that one, obviously that my mind was strong. And one of the things I did think, because the keys is a point to point race was I'm going to have to drive the distance to the, <laughs> that's where the hotel was. Cause you know, we were going to stay there. I'm like, I can't do that right now. Like that would just be utter defeat. So I'm just going to keep moving until I can't move. And I did complete it um, barely within the time. Um, another part of it, my issue was my feet because I didn't know how to properly care for my feet then either. And um, but uh, in any case, we did make it to the finish. I learned the power of the mind and also that my body, my body was great. I had no issues from my body other than, you know, my stomach getting off. And that's why, again, I tell all my runners, too, how important mental strength and fueling is for long distance over 50 miles. you got to get it right because it will undo you. You can be perfectly strong, and without getting the nutrition in, you can't get to the finish. But a postscript, so I went back in 2018, and I did the Keys uh, race again and um, completed it way faster. So I was like five hours off of my 2015 time. So, um, and, and then I said, done, done with hundred miles in the keys. <laughs> I've done every distance there though. 50 K and 50 mile on uh, nearly twice. The only one I didn't do twice was a 50 mile. So I do love that race. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and, um, yeah, I mean, I hearing that, that about the, the, the first, the first time through and, and really struggling. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it, it, for me, 
uh, the the thought is, well, you know, screw this, I'm never doing this again. But you, you keep persevering, you keep you keep you know grinding it out. Um, what was what was the feeling like at the finish line? Was it was it glad that's over, or or were you kind of chomping at the bit for uh, uh, an opportunity to maybe to already thinking about doing it again and, and improvements to make or things to do differently or kind of what was what was the 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 first hundred mile finish line feeling like? Well, there's a really funny story to that. Um, so I knew I was at the back of the pack, you know, because I had just basically death marched from 80 to 100 because of being so sick and not being able to get fuel in. I mean, I took in coconut water for the last 20 miles. Um, so when we were, it was it was um, just before noon, so it was really hot, you know, and I think the cutoff time was around 2, so I was just getting in there, you know. And um, you come around a corner so you can't see. And no, I was not thinking of ever doing this again. I just wanted to get this finished done. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I look at my crew who's walking in with me and I say, oh, just like an ultra, nobody's at the finish. We come around the corner and it was perfectly timed with when the award ceremony was going on <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for the uh, shorter distances. So I come around the corner and it also was like when my heart just first from the ultra community and how much I love them and why I'm so passionate about what I do. And there is a standing ovation basically for me after I just turn to my crew and go, just like an ultra, there's nobody at the finish line for the, you know, and because usually ultras are small. And then here I come around this finish line. And now again, it was perfect timing when everyone was there for the award ceremony, but they didn't have to pay attention to me, but that's how ultras are. They all stopped turned and started clapping as I came across the finish and it wasn't because they all knew me it's just what you do you know because in ultras it's like the first is as important as the last and and even sometimes more respected is the people coming in last because they've been out there longer persevering to get to the finish so but yeah I had no designs and it I I didn't run 100 again until 2017 and um, again, I jumped into the deep end and I did the grind 100, which is a very difficult trail 100. Um, and then um, very quickly after that, I did Ancient Oaks 100, which is an iconic um, Florida 100. Those were eight weeks apart. Wow. So, yeah, that that Ancient Oaks 100 was a was a uh, fun finish because my legs were still tired from the previous one. Um, and and then my body was beat up for a little bit because that's hard on my body with the hips. So, and just, you know, hundreds are hard on your body period. I was, I was going to say, yeah, like, like uh, running a hundred miles is going to be hard on you. If you're a hundred percent healthy, total, totally intact hip labrums, like, like whatever, like hundred miles is, is always going to be, be a struggle and, and maybe not a struggle, but always going to be difficult. Always going to beat you up. There's always going to be some, some serious wear and tear. Um, and maybe this is a, is a perfect time to kind of pivot into, um, some of the strength training, uh, benefits and, and, you know, not just, I mean, certainly for you with your, with your hip, but just for runners in general. And it's something that I know I talk about a lot, um, whether it's, it's on here, whether it's with the the athletes I coach, whether it's, it's wherever, like anytime I have a chance to rant on the value of strength training for runners, I, I usually take it to the point where probably there's more than a fair few people that listen that kind of start tuning me out. So all that to say, <laughs> I love it when there's a different voice to kind of dive into some of the strength training topics, because hopefully that it might catch their ears a little bit differently, especially those that are, and y'all know who you are, 
the ones that are still a little bit resistant to, to dive into it because let's let's face it we're, we're runners we enjoy running we, we given our you know all things equal probably would rather run than do just about any other type of exercise um but but I guess Don the the the, the leading question or the, the first question for the the strength training portion of today's conversation um is is you know just just thousand foot view, healthy runner, no, no hip labrum issues to, to have to try to navigate with. Um, but, but for the runner who's, you know, half marathon, marathon, whatever, maybe even, you know, not even interested in running that far, maybe 5k, 10k, whatever, any, any type of runner. Um, why would you say that strength training is, is such an, should be such an important part in, in, um, you know, into any good training, training plan, training philosophy? Yes. Um, I, I love that question because I just feel like it's so integral. So the way I would drive at home when I would have runners come to my form clinic is um, I would line them all up and I'd ask them to do, you know, and a lot of them would tell me, oh, I go, I go to boot camp, I go to this, you know, I, I do strength all the time. So then I would line them all up and ask them to do their version of a two-legged squat. Mm. Invariably, most of them, maybe one or two would be doing it with correct form, um, which is a problem because if you're not doing it with correct form, you're not, no. you're not stretching the muscles that that exercise is, you know, intended for. So then I would say to them, okay, well, you know, two of you are doing this correct. I wouldn't normally point, I wouldn't point out who was doing it, but then, you know, I would demonstrate it, the correct form and talk about how important it is to do two-legged squats correctly until you go into single-leg squats, which are, yes, very functional to running. And then I would say, so why is it important to know how to do a squat with a great, with effective, um, efficient form for running? So I would say, how many squats, single-leg squats, do you think you do in one mile? And a lot of them would not really put it together. So they would go, oh, you know, they throw out some low number, you know, 100, you know. And then I'd say, okay, so let's just go with the average runner, you know, runs a 10-minute mile at 190 cadence. Go, do the math. Mm-hmm. And, they, and then <laughs> the light bulb, it was always a light bulb moment. And they go, oh, that's like 1,900. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> So now do you see why it's important to be strong as a runner? And and it really worked because I think a lot of runners don't understand the strength it takes to run. Okay, and then I would say, and how many of us just run one mile? Right. Okay, so, and they would all laugh and, and I'd go, yeah, so you want to run four, six miles and some of you want to be marathon runners? I said, now we know why. What happens when you get to the marathon distance? Why do so many runners get injured? because they're not paying attention to strength and let alone, okay, we just want to prevent injury, um, you know, with, by being strong, but what about performing optimally? Okay. So you, you, some runners might go, well, I'm very efficient runner. I don't need to do strength work. Well, you're not optimizing your ability as a runner if you're not strong. So, for me, you know, it's really important not just to take that boot class or that hit class, that power pump. I'm not against them. I know they're fun. But you need to make sure that if you're doing strength, it's functional to running, that it does include mobility work, and that you're doing it with correct form. Or else, I tell them, you're just spinning your wheels. 
So when I give, uh, the last thing I would add is that when I give strength work to my athletes, it's progressed too. That's the other problem with boot camps. If you're going in and you're doing the same thing every week, week after week, your body's not getting strong. It act, it, it gets um, adapted to that and it doesn't grow in strength. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, something that, that's, that I guess could be easy to, to overlook, but like our bodies do respond to the stimulus, which, which, you know, to put it into running terms, this somewhat of a carryover, like, you know, when, when you, when we all first started, there was probably a point where running a mile was, was a real stretch, maybe not even something that we could handle. And, you know, if you've been running for, for long enough, like a mile, all right, you know, it's not nothing, but it's not, it's not this huge deal. And that's because our bodies have responded. And then, you know, eventually you start potentially at least pushing farther and farther, running longer distances. Um, and kind of the same thing with the strength training. Like if you're, if you're quote unquote, only doing whatever, a handful of squats or, or various other exercises, but never progressing either in terms of resistance and or sets and reps and, and volume. Um, yeah, you're going to stop getting the, the type of gains and, and seeing the benefits that you're trying to, to achieve. Exactly. What, um, sounds like you're a big fan of the squat for, for, I mean, I think for obvious reasons, but for people that maybe don't understand the biomechanics and whatnot, I mean, maybe it's not as obvious, but, um, you know, what would be a, a handful of, of exercises, um, that, that may, and obviously this is pretty generic generalized advice. Um, but, but, you know, three, four, five, six exercises, whatever that, that to you are like, these are the ones that runners have to do. Like these are, these are the best bang for the buck. They're the most functional. Like you, you know, talked about the, the value of functional exercises. What are, what are a handful of, of really vitally important strength training exercises for runners to, to incorporate into their routine? Um, well, absolutely balance, you know, because again, running is just a series of one legged balances and, um, you know, start with just simple balancing. A lot of people try to get really fancy with it. Just, single leg balance and you should be doing it daily. Um, and then, you know, then you can get more fancy with it, with reaches and so forth, but you'd be surprised at the number of runners who can't balance on one leg. <laughs> and if I tell them, if you can't balance on one leg, it's a problem for your running. Um, obviously, um, single leg squats, you know, very important, but know how to, with two legs correctly before you go into a single leg squat and I also tell my athletes don't worry about how low you can get into the squat I mean that's great but that requires ankle mobility too and you know sometimes people are trying to get really low into these pistol squats and they're putting such pressure on their knees and, and they don't have the ankle mobility and they're not ending up getting again out of that what they need to be getting out of it um, runners have to have strong glutes so, you know, um, bridging is important and all the variations you can do from bridges. Um, I like lunges and multi-directional lunges. Um, and then upper body is important too. You know, um, a lot of runners will mince on that because they want to make sure their legs are strong. But um, I love push-ups and pull-ups. I'm kind of old school but they do the trick and even for women because they have smaller body mass, uh, muscle mass um, through their chest and upper back to do assisted pull-ups are still great too. And they make you feel really strong. Yeah. I'm, I'm 
so glad you mentioned upper body. I, I try to n- never forget to mention upper body too, but it's, it's so, like you said, easy to forget. I mean, we think of running, it's a lower body exercise. And I mean, obviously it is, but your arms are also moving. You know, every time your foot hits, your arm swings. So having some strength and, and certainly some muscular endurance in the upper back um, helps with form, helps with the, the arm drive, which helps with the leg drive. Uh, so, so kind of easy to overlook, but, but definitely valuable to make sure you're incorporate and just, and just, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Functional life fitness is kind of important too. So being able to lift your kids up or pick up the groceries or move a box or whatever it takes, you don't want to injure yourself that way. So having some, some upper body strength is, and just overall strength, good for the good for life, which is kind of good for running too. Absolutely. Again, I know that there's more we could get into and more I would love to get into, but before we run out of time, I also want to talk about the, the race directing side of the coin. Um, so again, like I said, more things that we're going to talk about today than I, or more topics I want to dive into than time we have. But, uh, be- before we do run out of time for today, um, tell us about, about race directing. How did you get started in that? Because I feel like, like, and this is me not knowing anything, fully recognizing my ignorance when it comes to directing races. Um, I, I feel like that would be the type of thing that 10 years ago or so when you got started in it, like, I mean, was it just as easy as, as like doing it or, or kind of, how did you find yourself in a position of like, I'm going to, I'm going to start putting some races on. Yeah. So, you know, that race that I said was my first 50 K um, I had gone to that race because I did love running on the trails um, as I was kind of getting into running and, um, I had gone to that race and done the 16 mauler and it's a very old race in the States called the John Holmes, um, 50 K and there's a shorter distance. And when I did that shorter distance, I just really loved the ultra community. And I thought, you know, my brother had passed away in a car accident in 1997 and his school, which was the university of Georgia, College of Veterinary Medicine had shown him a great honor. Um, They planted a tree in front of the school and put a plaque there. And, you know, as unfortunately many college students die every year uh, attending colleges and you don't see that kind of thing in front of a bunch of colleges. So it it was really a testament to his um, dedication to that school and their thought of him as one of their students. And it's still there. And um, so I always had wanted to give back to them for paying him that honor and to establish a scholarship there. Um, But I was a teacher and then I was a coach and two kids. I mean, I didn't have money just to contribute myself. So um, there was a surf contest here in my hometown of Flagler Beach that um, a brother put on for his brother who passed away. And I kind of had the idea, hey, maybe I could put on a trail ultra and, you know, the proceeds could go to a scholarship at the college. So in 2008, I said, I don't care how many runners I get. And there were only a few ultras at that time in the state. Um, And I think our first year we had like 35 runners. We ran a one mile loop 31 times. I had a shorter distance too. My sisters would sit there and count the loops because I couldn't afford a timing company. And I think our first scholarship amount was 300 and I was kind of embarrassed by it, but that's what the proceeds were after expenses. And uh, the college was very grateful to us and said, no, that'll pay for books. So uh, last year we gave two grand. That scholarship has been going on for um, close to 10 years. I mean, the first year we put on the race, we didn't really break even, you know, we broke even. So it was a few years putting on the race to get a scholarship started. 
But um, yeah, so that's that was the motivation for um, establishing that race. It's in its 13th year. It's sold out for the past six years. I am capped because it's a trail um, in the county, so I can only have up to 150 runners. So it's really hard to grow that scholarship um, amount, but I'm proud of um, what we've established and the longevity of the scholarship there and that my brother's legacy lives on for the school that he loved and um, dedicated to animals, which he was dedicating his life to caring for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And, and you know, like like you said, kind of a, a bummer, I guess, that it's, it's capped so you can't keep growing it beyond that, but it also has to feel pretty good and 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 it's got to be somewhat encouraging to know that like i mean i guess you don't know but pretty much can assume every year you're going to have 150 people sign up for the race it's going to be sold out you're going to be able to write a a pretty decent check like like that's pretty cool yeah and you know out of that i mean uh, so many people have come back to that race and that's what i was trying to grow and what i saw at the john holmes that first year that i saw an ultra was it was a family and that's what we call ultra family. They come back to that race. Many people who've lost a loved one, they're very connected to it as well because of what it supports and what it's about. It's called the Jacks 50K. And uh, I went on to establish other races. That's my longest for 13 years. And then I started um, River to Sea, which is a six-hour, 12-hour race in the middle of uh, beginning of August in Florida. So that's a fun one. And it's a it's it's runners run for six and 12 hours it sells out too uh, believe it or not <laughs> and then um my other big race is the swamp which is coming up in march and that's a 10k 30k 50k 100k and a very beautiful course a tough challenging course probably uh, the course with the most elevation in florida mm-hmm. um and the 10k i recently um renamed last year the debbie 10k um for my sister who recently passed away of breast cancer, but she survived for eight years through um, the research that's done for trials um, for women with her form of breast cancer that she had, which is metastatic breast cancer. And um, last year, the 10K um, proceeds were 600 for breast cancer and because it's my smaller race of the four, but she wanted that distance because she wanted to be able to do it this year. And unfortunately, that won't happen. But um, the the uh, 10K is, has a, more participants this year so far than ever. So um, I'm excited about that. And her son's going to come and start the race in her memory this year. Sorry, sorry for for the loss. But that's again. I mean, just like with your brother. Um, I mean, not that you want their legacy to have to live on in this in this you know this, in this way of saying it, but like cool way for you know, her to be remembered and, and for it to, to continue to be something that, uh, you know, that I said, like just that her legacy can live on. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. And the, and the special thing about that race is, you know, she knew that her time was running out. And so she wanted a race like our brother. She always came and supported the Jacks 50 K and so she knew that race was established for her. And, um, that that's kind of special about that. And so, it's my intention to continue it. And, and then I, I started two years ago, a new year's day race, which is fun. You know, it, it keeps us uh, from celebrating too much new year's Eve. Uh, we can get a great group and it's like the best way to start the year off. So um, that's been going on now since um, 2020. So we had our third annual of that 
and the, my other races are six years, so 13, six, and three years now running. So have a lot of fun with it and just, you know, love the ultra community so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, obviously again, like we mentioned at the beginning, eastcoasttrailracing.com is the website. And so all the, the information is there, but for those that are listening that either, you know, we've got, we've got plenty of folks that live in Florida, of course, plenty of people that live all, all throughout the country and the world are listening. But if people are thinking about coming to Florida for a race or the locals that, that might be interested, um, new year's day, that one's self-explanatory January 1st. Um, and then you said there's a race in March. You said there's one in August and, and I, I'm sorry if I missed when, when is the Jack's race? Uh, Jax is at the, uh, it's the, always the fourth weekend in October. Fourth weekend in October. So kind of spread out well throughout the year. Um, so anybody that's interested in, in, you know, either heading over to the East Coast to run a race or heading heading down to Florida or up to Florida, I guess, from whichever direction you might be coming to, uh, different times throughout the year. And again, eastcoasttrailracing.com is the website. A um, couple more, or at least one more race directing type of question before we start wrapping things up today, Dawn. But, um, you know, kind of like I mentioned at the beginning, uh it's it's easy and i tr- i really try not to i think i'm pretty good at doing this at least in the last you know ha- handful of years but maybe early in my running career before i knew any better um i might have maybe said some mean things about various races when something would go wrong or or whatever the case might be um and and now of course i recognize that nobody nobody from the race from the race director on down to whoever volunteers or staff or whatever on the on the the crew is trying to quote unquote, screw something up. I mean, life happens, things go wrong. Um, but, but what are some of the maybe, I don't know, logistical issues or, um, things that maybe, you know, you wish runners knew about kind of some of the behind the scenes, how the sausage is made type of situation, um, that, uh, that a lot of runners don't know all that goes into putting, whether it's an ultra race or a local 5k race or anything in between, like what are, what are some of the logistics that runners might benefit from knowing that maybe would give them a little bit more willingness to show some grace when, when necessary? Well, I would say that, um, most people might think that, uh, you know, race directing is lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't. Um, there has to be a passion behind it. And, um, you know, for most of us, okay, I'm sure there's some races that turn a huge profit. Um, and just that the work is months in the making. I, I work on all my races all year round. And, um, you know, I the ultimate responsibility is with that race director. So, you know, they, I know for me, I, I, I want to make sure every runner is successful out there. Um, it's, it, it's, it means something to me for you to finish the race. And also, of course, I want you to feel supported and, um, to enjoy your time out there. Um, it's important for me to be at the finish line, to greet them, to cheer them, to know them by name. Um, it's exhausting. I think a lot of people don't realize how exhausting it is to be a race director. It's not just the months ahead, but, you know, I'm out there on my course. I mark my course myself because, again, the ultimate responsibility is for me, is with me for the race. So I want to make sure that if somebody gets lost, it's on me, not on a crew that I set out there to, to put the course on. Um, runner safety is very important to me, too. So I want to look over my course and make sure that, you know, it's a safe course to run. And I think all race directors need to take that seriously. Um, and you know, all of that and, and the great responsibility that comes with it makes you feel like I always say after my races, I feel like I run double the distance, you know, cause 
then there's putting it on that day and all that entails. You know, I want all my volunteers to feel appreciated. It's a lot of energy. So a good race director puts a lot of energy into what they do. Um, and so be kind to them because they really do, you know, have their heart in this business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, in my experience, limited as it may be, um, more often than not. Yeah. Like the race, there's not too many race directors that are phoning it in because like you said, it's not lucrative enough, um, to, to just, you know, kind of be like, eh, whatever. Like I'll just put something on and, and rake in the cash. Like you do it cause you love it. And because you love it, you're going to put everything into it. So, um, yeah. Thank, thank the race directors is the moral of the story. Yeah. And I would say too, you know, a lot of people are jumping into the game now, like especially in Florida, there are so many ultras now that um, it's getting more difficult to find volunteers because, you know, there's probably like five races on a weekend, you know? <laughs> so if you're a runner and you enjoy running uh, races, give back. I mean, I think that's a super important thing to do. Um, my race director friends, we try to go and work as volunteers at each other's events. Um, um, so, cause I think, you know, that's a very important thing for me to do as well, um, to give back to the community. So I would encourage runners to think about that, um, you know, and to make sure they give back to what they love to, you know, to participate in. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, just the fact of the matter is whether we're talking the biggest races in the world, the world major marathons or, you know, Western states as, as far as trail and ultra bad water, whatever to the local, you know, fundraiser for the, the local church or, or whatever. Um, there are no races without volunteers, period. So if you can give back, that's like we should you should give back saying this mostly to myself um, should give back by volunteering uh, because otherwise there's there's no races. It's just the, the simple truth. Absolutely. So, uh, thank you for, for sharing that Dawn and, and putting that little, uh, you know, fire to me to make sure that I practice what I preach once in a while and, and go do some volunteering one of these days as well. Um, but, uh, as we, as we're wrapping up, like to, to close with what I call kind of the, the philosophical question, which is basically just like the introductory question. Something that's very open-ended, take it whichever way you want to go with it. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up there and, and, uh, get, get on with the day. Uh, but just, just curious, you know, at this, at this point in your life, um, you know, running for, if I'm doing the math correctly, going on about 20 years, uh, I think if, if I heard correctly at the beginning, um, to also doing the coaching race directing, all of, all of the things that you have going on that relate to running. Um, why, why, why is running still such an important part of your life? Something that you're getting ready to go run another hundred miler? Like why, why is running just as, as important to you as it clearly is? Uh, I would say a number of reasons. Um, like I said, I, I've always loved to move. And um, so it's a form of expression for me, um, you know, of just something I enjoy so much, the feeling of doing. Uh, maybe, you know, the artist in me, like the dancer that was once there, I, I posted a picture not too long ago of when I was uh, on point, which I found my sister's things and that she had kept. And um, that's how I feel when I'm running, like I'm dancing still. Um, and even when I don't have on music, it's part of why I love trail too, because, but even when I'm on road or anywhere else, it's just a form of expression for me. Um, it's emotional release. It's uh, helps with 
stress. Um, I love being out in nature. Um, and again, it doesn't even have to be on a trail. The other day I was running on the road and looked up and saw the most beautiful hawk. And I thought, this is why I love being out here. And I love experiencing the different elements, hot, cold, you know, I, I've done a bad water solo. So, you know, running through the desert up to the mountain, I mean, experiencing that, you know, was amazing. Um, looking forward to running out that race out there this summer and being out in that amazing, incredible environment again. Um, so it's, it's a way to experience different places. I love the community that I've met through running. Some of my closest friends um, are from that community. And um, I also, you know, see it as a way to pay tribute to my lost loved ones, you know, through my directing of my races and um, and my running. This this race I'm coming up that I'm doing, the Donna 110, is, you know, a, a benefit for uh, breast cancer research. The whole Donna Marathon is about that. And, you know, I really know um, unequivocally that that kept my sister alive um, for many years. So, you know, again, it's important to support these um, causes. Yes, I, I love it and, and um, couldn't agree more. You know, I'm just nodding along the whole time like, yep, that's that's a good, that's the reason why I do it. That's the reason why I do it. Um, and I'm sure lots of folks listening can relate to multiple of those same reasons as, as why they continue to get out there and, and put their work in and get their miles done. And so, uh, Don, thank you for, for sharing some of your story today and, and some of your wisdom about strength training. And hopefully that maybe uh, sunk in a little bit with some folks that have tuned me out and, and y'all that are listening. Uh, again, eastcoasttrailracing.com is the website if you're interested in coming on down to Florida and running a race and maybe talking me into coming running with you. you know, it's not that far away. Might, might could do it. Uh, maybe we can make a little meetup, make it happen one of these years. So, Look at the website. Let me know. Uh, Instagram at Run Natural Coach on Facebook. Dawn Lizenby again, L I S E N B Y, or East Coast Trail Racing. You can find her both places on on Facebook. And uh, once again, as per usual, disruns.com slash one zero two two. Take you back to the show notes for today. Everything linked up, photos, the whole nine, just like always. So, Don, one one more time, thanks again for for taking the time today. Thanks for for doing so much for this community that that so many of us love being a part of and and love um, interacting with and and learning more about. And just thank you again for for being a resource, sharing your story, and uh, certainly wish you nothing but the best at the at the race coming up and and future endeavors this year, bad water and, and whatever else is in store. Um, and thanks for the time. And, and uh, again, just thank you for, uh, for all you do and, and for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Denny. I really enjoyed it. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Dawn and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your takeaway du jour? Du jour. For me, it was something that, that we talked about a little bit, but really, and, and maybe this was my fault, but maybe I did it. I don't. I didn't do it on purpose, but it worked out well that it, I didn't address it as much then, and I can address it a little bit more now. And when Don was talking about strength training and the importance of functional strength training, and I think I think sometimes that can get lost in the shuffle. Quite frankly, that's something that I can lose in the shuffle. You know, if, if I'm if I'm really honest, um, that that yes, in theory, all strength training is good. You know, being stronger, 
having having more muscle muscle strength, muscle endurance, explosive power, things like that. Good for us as runners, and you know, kind of like we talked about a little bit as well. You know, just good for day to day life, just for for the normal activities, playing with your kids, your grandkids, whatever, your dogs, your cats. I, cats don't play. Who who are we trying to kid there? But you know, the the, the fun creatures in your life, uh, two legged or four legged, um, and just you know, day to day life again, doing doing things, moving around, picking up stuff, putting it down being being functionally strong or just be, you know being strong is important but when it comes to strength training for for us as runners not that every exercise needs to be maximally functional but we would be better off better suited to make sure we're getting some functional work in as well and and obviously we didn't get into all of the details and everything that that defines functional I'm not going to do that here as well um but just you know things like single leg things like multi-joint um so you know using you using balance working on balance working on making sure your left and your right are close to equal those things are those things matter because obviously when we're running it's a series of bounding from one leg to the other and the balance the strength the stability on each side if one side is dramatically off it's gonna potentially cause problems either in terms of form breaking down in terms of injury risk or in terms of just your performance not being to the level that it could be if you had more functional strength so maybe a little bit less leg extension a little bit less hamstring curl machine um because spoiler alert those exercises are maybe the least functional uh if i had if i had a magic wand and i could wave it on all gyms throughout the world uh, those would be two machines that would be gone, never to be seen from again. Terrible exercises. Better off doing some single leg stuff or some lunges, you know, which which is still technically a single leg exercise, but a lot more functional, a lot better for us as runners. So just something to think about, you know, what 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 can you add in? What can you make sure that you're you're getting a little more function to your um, strength training situation? Um, because you're going to get more bang for your buck that way. And Lord knows the number of time I've I've made the excuse. And potentially the number of times I've heard the excuse that, oh, man, I just don't have the, the time to do as much strength training as I would like to do. Well, if you're going to do it, make sure it's the most valuable, which means it's going to be more functional um, for us as runners. So if you're not sure on some strength exercises that are functional, let me know. And I, I feel like there could be a, a quick tip episode here at some point, um, but not if, not if nobody needs it. But I got a feeling that it, it might be something that pops up in the next month or two. Uh, but we'd love to hear if, if you think that would be valuable. Maybe it'll be a Facebook post or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it'll be, I don't know. There's a lot of things that it could be, but that's, that's my takeaway from today. Long winded as per usual, uh, probably have lost the forest for the trees, but make sure your strength training is functional. If you want to do some power stuff, some, some heavier stuff, cool, do it beneficial, but also make sure you're getting some functional stuff for us as runners. You will not regret it. So that's my takeaway. What about you? Something else that, that stood out to you? Something about race directing or ultras or whatever? Let me know. Always love to hear those takeaways, what what it is for you from this episode. Uh, at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also send an email, of course, to Dizruns at gmail.com. And you can also, also head over to Dizruns.com slash 1022, which is, once again, the show notes for today. we got some photos from Dawn. Of course, we got links as well. And then down there at the bottom, we've got that uh, comment section. And you can leave your thoughts, feedbacks, takeaways there. Always love to get the feedback from whichever method works best for you. And, and Rob, I think you're still waiting on the carrier pigeon to get here. I'm still waiting on the carrier to pigeon to get here, but you can always send your carrier pigeon notes, your smoke signals, whatever, whatever works best for you will hopefully work for me. So that is it for today. One last shout for features, uh, disruns.com slash features again, F E E 
T-U-R-E-S is the affiliate link. I don't have any coupon codes. Sorry about that. But if, if you're getting some socks for yourself or someone else uh, and, and you want to support the show at the same time, use that link. And there's a little bit of commission that doesn't cost you a penny more, but it throws a couple pennies my way. So, you know, kind of a win-win situation. Uh, but thanks for supporting the show, whether you're using that link or just listening to the show, telling others about the show. So many ways that uh, y'all go above and beyond to support what we've got going on here. And I certainly appreciate it. Um, so thanks again for listening. Until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks one more time for listening. How many times can I thank you all for listening? Not enough. Not enough is the answer. Uh, but anyway, until next time, be well. Take good care. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? Later, y'all.